Everyone, please raise your left hand and put your right hand over your heart. And repeat after me. I pledge allegiance. I pledge, I pledge allegiance. To the band. To the to band. To the band. Of Mr. Kraft. Of Mr. Kraft. And will not fight him. And will not and will fight, fight him. him. For creative control. For creative control. <laughs> control. And will defer to him on all issues related to the musical direction of the band, this podcast, and any other further branding decisions of the show. And we'll defer what to him said. on all decisions. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, welcome to Bob Squad Movie Night. I'm your host of Master of Ceremony, Tanner Richard Kraft, and with me I have... Hi, I'm Dick Jagger of the Rolling Bones. I'm a fat loser and I have body odor. <laughs> That's my problem. Yeah, so if you can't tell by the little Pledge of Allegiance that it did, we're talking about a very special film to me, our second Richard Linklater movie on this show, and uh, my favorite Richard Linklater movie, who, as I've said before, is my favorite director, School of Rock, starring Jack Black, Joan Cusack, and a bunch of children. I can sing. All right, Summer, belt it. Memory all alone in the moonlight. Stop, Not stop. Okay. But before we get into our thoughts on uh, School of Rock, your favorite Jack Black movie is the opening warm-up question. Austin, we'll start with you. All right, full disclosure here, as they say at the banks. In my travels as a master of cinema, I have not actually seen, per se, a couple of Jack Black films that may or may not be important milestones of his bodacious career. High Fidelity, that movie by the gay Daniel Day-Lewis laundromat guy, and uh, this is hard for me to say because I used to be a huge Bernie guy back in 2016, but I haven't actually seen the movie Bernie. But in fairness to me, I missed both of those because I had had a big lunch date with a serious podcast executive on the day that both of those were being screened as a one-time only double bill at the Jack Black film series in Panavision 70 millimeter. You're a fucking maniac. I swear to God, if you tore this thing, it's vintage. And I'll fucking sock your nose. You'll pay big. But other than those two, I own the Criterion box set like every other Jack Black movie. And as with any choice I make in this tormented existence, there is a super foreboding crossroads. Do I choose a movie where Jack Black is the centerpiece, or do I choose the best movie Jack Black happened to be in? Uh, and the answer is, psych! I'm not choosing Kung Fu Panda or Tropic Thunder. I'm going with King of the Kongs, the Fellowship of the Monkey. I've come into possession of a map. The sole surviving record of an uncharted island, a place that was thought to exist only in myth. Will there be boobies? Boobies? Now I'm 100% sure that astute cinephile types will immediately say, what the fuck, Austin? Because that is by no means a Jack Black vehicle like, say, Nacho Libre or the Academy Award-adjacent Shallow Hal. But it is an insane remake of one of the most famous movies of all time. And Jack Black plays a prominent role in getting everybody to the secret of Monkey Island. He was so important that they gave him the final line of the movie. I'll never forget it as long as I live. Kong defeated, crowds gathering around his big monkey corpse, and Jack Black looks down and says, that monkey was the best of us. I cry every single time. He looks like, down and goes, that monkey was the best of us. <laughs> 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 
Like yeah, what was, yeah. what was his Jack ultimate Black? goal? I his mean, ultimate goal was to get to heaven. He, was, he wanted to bring her with him. To heaven? He wanted to bring her. He's like, I'm going to bring you here with me to heaven. And she was <laughs> like, guess what? I'm the son of God. <laughs> I'm the son of God. <laughs> like a guy online to get coffee, and he's like, oh, oh my word. In heaven? Like, yeah. Yeah, Starbucks are everywhere. Of all the fucking things you can pull. Fuck! Just swat them. He climbs up the Empire State Building to go. He's got nowhere else to go. And, and then, then he, he starts, starts climbing, levitating up. up. Invisible. He starts like, climbing. In, the invisible. Sky. Yeah. He starts climbing the Empire State Building. And it's like, he's got nowhere else to go. And then he keeps going. <laughs> Starbucks, they're everywhere. Okay. Um, his, goal, his goal was to get to heaven. And take it with me. Oh my god, Eddie Murphy floats away. Eddie Murphy floats away. <laughs> Referencing any of the animated PMI videos will just fucking short circuit me. All right. Uh, great answer. Uh, Jack Black and King Kong. Fun fact, he actually based his performance in that movie off of Orson Welles, from what I understand. Ah, the French champagne. So, Very cool. <laughs> Joe, what the fuck is your favorite Jack Black movie? Like Austin was saying, it's like there's a lot of movies that Jack Black has been in, and he's been in really small roles. He's been in prominent roles. He's been in lead roles. And when it came to making my decision, I was like, okay, it's got to be something that he doesn't cameo in. So Mars Attacks and Demolition Man, throw those out the window. It has to be something where it's more prominent. So the never ending story three counts. But what kind of a monster would fucking pick that movie? Um, <laughs> so I was like, okay, well. Well, I've narrowed it down to about three. I'm not going to say School of Rock because that's just double jeopardy. No! And I'm not going to say another movie because I'm pretty sure Tanner is going to take that one. You're probably correct. So that narrowed it down just to one movie. The Eli Roth directed The House with a Clock in Its Walls. Not a lot of people talk about this one, which kind of fucking sucks because this is actually a really solid horror movie, like for kids. Am I going to have to defeat an evil spirit one day? Oh, don't worry. Not for a long, long time. You're perfectly safe. Eli Roth went and made an 80s like horror movie for children, kind of like a Gremlins. And he had Jack Black in a honestly more stoic role than we've ever really seen him in. Like he's actually taking the role relatively serious. He pulls back on the goof a little bit. I mean, it's still there because I mean, it's Jack Black. You got to have the goof, but it's like he's taking the role pretty seriously. And it's actually not a terrible performance he's given. What smells of rancid sulfur? And he's working with all of these high caliber actors, too. He's got Kyle MacLachlan as the villain. He's got Kate Blanchett in there. It's a solid movie. And with Halloween coming up, I strongly recommend giving that one a watch. He I'm the son of God. No. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> solid pick. I think a big reason why people don't talk about that one enough is because its marketing makes it look indistinguishable from the Goosebumps movies. That's yeah. fair. The, the marketing really did not do that movie justice. It looks like another Goosebumps movie. Uh, as Joe was alluding to earlier, my pick for my favorite Jack Black movie is Nacho Libre. Is that correct, Joe? Correct, yes. That is my answer for favorite Jack Black movie. Aside from the one we're talking about today, obviously, but Nacho Libre is, uh, first off, uh, better than Napoleon Dynamite. Just putting that right out there. I want to get yeah. the haters commenting in my comment section already, because Napoleon Dynamite is considered a classic, while who the fuck cares about Nacho Libre aside from me? <laughs> I care. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I care tremendously. Get that corn out of my face! 
nice. And also every small Mexican restaurant I've been to has like a Nacho Wednesday and they advertise it using Jack Black. Hell yeah. It's a very funny movie. It's so like directly tied to what my exact sense of humor is, which is that like sort of off kilter. Mm -hmm. Like it's absurdism. That's the word. I'm looking for absurdism. That's the word. Like the whole bit where he's told to like go fucking climb a mountain and eat some eagle's eggs is like hilarious. And he's like, those eggs were a lie, Steven. A lie! They give me no nutrients! Or like his fucking when he's like he's showing off his ass. He's like posing in his new clothes, and then he's like, that monkey was the best of us. <laughs> I love Nacho Libre, not just because of how funny it is, but because of how heartwarming it is. But beneath the clothes, we find a man. And beneath the man, we find his nucleus. There are few moments in movies history where I want to get up and fight just as much as the main character does. Like I do at the climax of Nacho Libre when the guy with the golden mask just absolutely literally has his foot to Nacho's neck and it all seems over. And then the music slows down and that song, you know, I am, I am, I am. love that song. I mean, then like the nun and all of the kids like come up to support him and he like gets this burst of strength and then he just starts kicking ass. And then when the ego call comes back and he like just dives out and literally the way that it's shot it looks like he like flies 20 feet you <laughs> believe a man can fly should have been the tagline of nacho libre instead of superman the movie <laughs> nacho libre that's my answer even if i did count today's movie i think nacho libre might still be my answer but a lot of the time i would also answer with today's movie as my favorite jack black movie that's right school of rock released in 2003 richard linklater's attempt at a kids film even though it's rated pg-13 I've got a hangover. Who knows what that means? Doesn't that mean you're drunk? No. It means I was drunk yesterday. Dude, you got a disease. Which is kind of weird because I don't find much of the content all that objectionable. So School of Rock, what are our overall thoughts on it? We'll start with Joe. You mentioned that this movie was PG-13. That's honestly why my mom would not take me to go see this in the theater, despite being like, but they advertised on Cartoon Network, Mom! But then again, they also advertised without a paddle on Nickelodeon and the Daredevil movie, and we saw the Daredevil movie. We regret that. I'm so <laughs> sorry, Joe. <laughs> but um, School of Rock, this is a staple of my childhood. Childhood. I think I was around the age that the kids in this movie were. I was like maybe like 10 or 11 when I saw this for the first time. And it's such a good movie on like all fronts. It's like it's structured really well. It goes through like the motions in like a fun and interesting kind of like little way. I'm going to form my own band and we are going to start a revolution. OK, and you're going to be a funny little footnote on my epic ass. Every single character, particularly the kids, those kids are brimming with personality. If one of them is a standout, may this kid rest in peace, uh, the kid that plays Freddy. He stands out from the crowd, like, big time. Who's gonna tell me off? Shut the hell up, Schneebly. That's it, Freddy. Kevin Clark did a great job. He died?! He died two years ago. He got hit by a car on a bike. Well, I mean, the car wasn't on a bike. He was on the bike, but he got hit and died. What? Yeah, I'm sorry. What the fuck? I'm sorry you have to find out like this. That kid was the best of us. <laughs> that kid was the best oh my god, he wrapped it around! Let's be honest, the heart and soul of this goddamn movie is Jack Black, who is just brimming with charisma. Can't you see that I am not afraid? Shaka-ka-ka! is good at piano. 
on the entire god if his character does not work the movie does not work you have to be on this guy's side even though he does some very morally questionable things throughout honestly this movie probably would not get made it would get canceled in 2023 for instance man oh man jack black calls freddy spazzy mcgee dewey finn would get canceled in 2023 kicked off twitter immediately he should have been canceled in 2003 he did like a massive crime it's a a miracle he didn't get arrested i I, I was gonna say he got off lucky and no i'm not a licensed teacher but i have been touched by your kids and i'm pretty sure i've touched them what oh my god yeah he committed multiple crimes i count at least five felonies (laughs) You you understand everyone's perspective in it. That's just how good the writing is. If most of it's even in the script, knowing Linklater, he probably improvised a lot of it. But yeah, a movie good. I want to save a lot of this for general discussion because I'm just fucking rambling at this point. Back to you, Tanner. Uh, Austin, uh, you're the best of us. Go. <laughs> Longtime listeners of the show might remember that when I was 13, I went totally fucking rogue and started watching every X-rated movie I could get my grubby little hands on. It was like a little kid breaking into the candy store, except the candy was really artsy porn and the store was a torrenting website. But I too once was mortal before my great spiritual awakening. There was a time when I too was a sweet innocent child and PG-13 movies felt like a super big deal. One time when I had pneumonia, I stayed up late watching Batman Forever with my older brother and it felt like the ultimate betrayal of my parents. Like I was turning to a life of crime. School of Rock came out when I was nine, back in the good old days where I would get grounded for trying to watch Scary Movie 3 and it's the wildest thing. It never struck me as a PG-13 movie back then. For the longest time I thought School of Rock was produced by Nickelodeon, and I thought it was a PG-rated movie tailored for nine-year-olds just like me. This is an ancient technique. It's called power stance. That's it. Power stance. You own the universe. Now give me an E chord. Just go... I loved this movie as a kid. Little side note. I heard from this channel called The Beat Goes On that School of Rock really almost nailed that PG rating, but got tipped over the line because of that lone reference to crack cocaine. So it's like The King's Speech or Amadeus, where it's like totally fine for kids except one scene. Miss Lemon said she heard music coming from the classroom. Uh oh, you know what? Miss Lemons must be on crack, right, kids? <laughs> but it always felt like a really ace kids movie to me more than anything kind of subversive or adult. I think one of the reasons was because when this came out in 2003, the idea of like rebelling through the power of rock was totally played out. I mean, unless your parents were fundamentalists or something, but mine weren't. My parents loved rock music and they weren't hardcore individualists or punks or anything. They were totally normal people who lived in the suburbs of Missouri. If you wanted to rebel, you listen to like metal or gangster rap. Rock and roll had turned into the Saturday morning cartoon version of rebellion. So at the end of the day, this movie felt like it was telling you to like be 
yourself and don't be a square. But its definition of how to resist becoming a square was really mild and kind of socially acceptable. Like, my parents didn't give a shit when I started buying Led Zeppelin t-shirts and listening to Pink Floyd, but I guess that's why it was set at a private school. I was already in a rock and roll friendly environment, so for me, this was kind of preaching to the choir. And there used to be a way to stick it to the man. It was called rock and roll. But guess what? The man ruined that too with a little thing called MTV! But I guess I should be grateful to School of Rock and rock music in general for giving me a way to feel like a rebel in a fashion that didn't actually piss off my parents. It bought them an extra four years of peace before the fucking floodgates opened. Uh, but you know, all that high concept shit aside, it's all about JB's energy, his performance, and even today, watching him dance around and totally nail his line deliveries just radiates early 2000s energy. Scratch your ass, surviving. Good time. Did you, you stop that, please? Yeah. Just the unapologetic silliness of it takes me back, makes me want to buy a Razor scooter and play some Sega Dreamcast. Uh, that's what I wanted to say in a weird little nutshell. Basically, all the jokes still land. I think this movie should be mandatory viewing for children around the age of 10. It was a stupendous gift getting to be nostalgic, watching Jack Black shtick from the height of his comedy superpowers. But the legend of the rent was way past due. Typical Linklater. It's a classic movie with a really friendly aura. All great stuff. I agree completely. And uh, yeah, that makes sense. It probably would be the reference to crack cocaine that gave it that extra push to PG-13. Where to begin? Obviously, the star of the show here is um, Jack Black, who is a, a supremely talented actor, but also a supremely talented musician. He's a pretty damn good singer and a pretty darn good guitar player. There are so many line deliveries in here that are just so perfect. So let's just keep it on the down low, shall we? Can we tell our parents? No! Just trust me, they don't want to know anything about this. Keep it zipped. But the entire rest of the cast is also fantastic, especially Joan Cusack. I feel like Joan Cusack does not get her flowers enough for this movie. Oh, man, I would love to take the kids to a concert. Concert? Yeah. I like that the screenwriter of this movie cast himself as the swarmy, pathetic roommate. Wait, he wrote this? Ned Schneebly wrote this? Yeah, that's Mike White. Huh. What's happening, officer? Apparently, that man is not Ned Schneebly. Yeah, he's not even a teacher. You called the cops? She did. She got it out of me. Sorry. Also the creator of The White Lotus, that TV show that, like, won 72 Emmys. My sister what? Um, that show! Yep, same writer. It's that show with Sidney Sweeney and Alexander Daddario. <laughs> oh, if, if that's blowing your mind, wait until I tell you what another cast member of this movie's up to nowadays in general discussion. Just you wait. Oh, boy. He's also great in it. Uh, Sarah Silverman plays the perfect... I don't want to say a word here. You gotta mouth it like the principal did. Overbearing, a little too much. She's so good in it, and I find her really funny. 2003 was a different time considering her like, yeah, $650 a week. And I'm like, that's like what I make for his uh, paycheck at $650 a week as that sub. More than just how funny this movie is, I like the moments where he genuinely inspires those students and makes them be better people. There's that one part of the movie where the, um, uh, Tamika? Is that her Tamika. Name? Uh, where Tamika talks about, oh, I don't think I can go up there. I'm, I'm fat. 
And Jack Black's like, who cares? Uh, I still see that posted around to this day. Obviously, that's a very important message to hear nowadays. But in 2003, when heroin chic was the in look yeah. amongst famous women, that was, I think, an especially important message for young girls to hear. You heard of Aretha Franklin, right? Okay, she's a big lady. But when she starts singing, she blows people's minds. Everybody wants to party with Aretha. And that scene, I think, still resonates to this day because, you know, skinny culture, fat phobia culture is still a thing. But it was especially bad in the mid 2000s. Us younger members of the audience may not know this. Throw up a photo of Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Mariah Carey. The media was regularly calling those women fat. Throw up any photo of Misha Barton from the OC, like her especially. Literally, uh, like as bad as it is now, it was like especially bad then. So to um, see that in a movie from that era, I think it's very empowering and very cool to see. Because I'm sexy and chubby, man. Why aren't you on a diet? Because I like to eat. Is that such a crime? And also, the music kicks ass. Mm. I'm very upset that the song Zach wrote isn't like on Spotify or anything because I really want to listen to it. It's fucking it's a incredible. really good song. There's a recording of it from the original Broadway show that came out like in 2015, but it's not the same. There's no Jack Black. Fuck that noise. Uh, all the music in general is really good. Even the No Vacancy songs we happen to hear aren't actually that <laughs> awful. They're a good band. I like how at the end they come back and they sound like Creed. I don't want to hang out with a bunch of wannabe corporate sellouts. Three weeks later. It's just so funny. He calls them sellouts and then they sound like the fucking Dave Matthews band at the Battle of the Pants. And then they win because Dave Matthews band is uh, very popular. Man, that one guy was really excited about it, though. <laughs> the biggest win was not uh, having the greatest show on Earth. It was watching the excitement of that guy's face just drain when everyone wanted School of Rock to come back on. That was the biggest win of the movie. <laughs> I love that the encore song, by the way, is the song that Jack Black essentially made up on the spot. Where he's like, I have lots of great material. Let's hear it then, man. Uh, so I wrote this in 10 minutes and it, uh, it's not even finished. Uh, <laughs> just immediately like backtrack 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 all right uh that's all i got for this so let's uh go to a brief commercial break and we'll return for some general discussion welcome back from that ad break for another ad colors wood canvas movie do you like colors of movie strips like the thing in the behind me if you do then you can go to moviepalette.com it is a difficult time in the entertainment industry right now with those fat back cats in Hollywood trying to suckle up all the teas of the writers and actors words if you would like to assist them and stick it to those fat bad cats in Hollywood, please donate to some of the following charities. The Entertainment Community Fund, the Snack List, and Groceries for Writers. Because please remember, those writers and those actors, they were the best of us. And now back to the show. Son of a bitch. And now time for general discussion. I'm going to get us on track because I, I want to tell my, my 2009 story real quick. Hurry up! So here's how endlessly appealing this movie is and how endlessly rewatchable this movie is. So in the year 2009, my family and I went on a trip to South Dakota. We were on our way to South Dakota and we brought like a whole ton of DVDs with us. One of them was School of Rock and we did not start off watching School of Rock. That was maybe the third movie in. And then after a certain point, we 
treated this movie like a roller coaster. We just did not want to get off the roller coaster that was School of Rock. So for the next three and a half days of this five day trip, we just watched nothing but School of Rock. And then I think it was by time number 49 of watching this fucking movie, my aunt was like, you know, maybe why don't we put in a different movie? I think we can quote this in our sleep now. And that's the first time Joe saw Sallow, 120 days of Sodom. Oh my God. In January of 2015, I was institutionalized, right? And the, the fact that you said it, how it's infinitely watchable, I agree. School of Rock is infinitely appealing. When I was institutionalizing and there was only a limited selection of movies we were allowed to watch, for some godforsaken reason, the rest of the ward I was in chose to watch over and over again The Blind Side. And let what? me tell you, The Blind Side is an okay movie to watch the first time by watch through number three. I was like going to say whatever it took to those nurses to get the fuck out of there because I could not take it anymore. Thank God I eventually convinced them to start watching Back to the Future. Okay, so you guys want to play the game of what happened to the kids? Well, one sure. of them died. Kevin Clark, a.k.a. Freddie Jones, played in some bands in his hometown of Chicago and was tragically struck on his bike, killed by an oncoming car. All right, that's the bottom of the pile. Let's start with something simple. Miranda Cosgrove, what happened to her? She became iCarly. She's stuck in iCarly land for the rest of her life. Yeah. iCarly land and Despicable Me land. Yep, she did Despicable Me movies and iCarly was on when we were kids and now it's back. She's never getting out. All right, Joey Gatiss Jr., a.k.a. Zach Mooneyham, uh, he released two EPs four years ago called Calm Weather and Dogtopia. So Zach's still writing music. Good for him, you know? Hell yeah. All right, Robert Tsai, a.k.a. Lawrence the Keyboard Kid. He went to Dartmouth College, and he still plays classical music. Okay, Caitlin Hale, yeah. Blondie, not the craziest character, but she got a degree in journalism from Arizona State and is currently dating the kid who played Frankie. I thought they were married, actually. They might be. My info may be old. Miriam Hassan, uh, a.k.a. Tamika with the Pipes, goes by the name Marinate, and she sings R&B soul music. She released an EP in 2021 called Push, and she released a single in 2022 called Feel Away. Then there's Rivka Reyes, a.k.a. Posh Spice. They. Works with Second City in Chicago doing stand-up, and has acted in a couple of Lifetime movies back in, like, 2020. They. Also became a queer icon on TikTok. And then there's Brian Faldudo, a.k.a. Billy the Gay Costume Kid. He graduated from Wagner, uh, the school that served as the exterior for, like, the, the school shots in School of Rock. He actually went to that school for college. Oh, that's funny. He has a dual degree in theater and arts administration, and he works as a mental health coach who advocates for, like, LGBTQ kids. He released an album this March called Gay Country. Fun time. And then uh, the last one, Alicia Allen, a.k.a. Braceface. Uh, she was in the two Are We There Yet movies with Ice Cube and the movie Young Adults, the 2011 movie. And I've got no date on her after that. So those are the kids. That's what happened. It's kind of interesting how, like, other than Miranda Cosgrove, none of these kids really continued acting. 
I mean, hey, they continued in music, though, so you know what? No, that's cool. From what I understand, most of them were musicians before they were actors. The casting call for this movie was looking for musicians, not actors. Okay, do you remember how they kick Jack Black out of the band at the beginning and they replace him with another guitarist named Spider? Yes. (laughs) So he's a very minor actor. He only had a few roles. He's actually more well-known for being, like, Paris Hilton's love interest for the music video Stars Are Blind. What in fuck? However, he is not best known for being an actor, because nowadays, as of 2018, he's probably best known for being the district attorney of Tyler County, Texas. And when he took office in January of 2019, he actually very quickly rose to prominence the next year because of the fact that he was, in fact, the very same district attorney that indicted Netflix on child pornography charges for the movie Cuties. Which, uh, by all accounts, was something he did as a career move to try and get into higher office. He is, of course, a member of the Republican Party. Um, Yeah, he went to law school and became a district attorney. By the way, his father, Brian Babin, is a U.S. member of the House of Representatives, representing Texas's 36th district. So his family is actually like a very political family, which makes his appearance in this movie all the funnier. this good old boy get anywhere near School of Rock? Texas, Link Later. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Alex Jones is in two Linklater movies for mostly the same reason. Though in Linklater's defense, when Linklater put Alex Jones in his movies, he was just known as some local crank. I don't think Linklater would have ever anticipated him having a national platform of any kind. Destroy the child. I fucking love his appearance in A Scanner Darkly. It is so goddamn funny. So funnily enough, I'm going to have two movies in a row this month where I talk about just kind of how movies made me feel about filmmaking. But I'll talk about how that applies to Mask of the Phantasm next week, but here's how I'll talk about it for School of Rock. So when it gets to the end of that movie and no vacancy wins and watching Jack Black just kind of react to it, it kind of reminded me a little bit of how I was reacting. It involves my current movie out on the festival right now. And I think the kids trying to be, like, encouraging to Jack Black was something I probably should have heard about a month ago. Sex Pistols never want anything. Don't let the man get you down. Yeah, I mean, dude, you gotta cheer up. We played a kick-ass show. Because, yeah, no, uh, last month we had her screening for Sheena's Secret. It did not walk away with anything, and it kind of brought me down. And honestly, you know, at the end of the day, I still think we had a really good screening of that movie, and that's really all that's important. The intro is a reference to the title card from Kenneth Anger's Scorpio Rising, an experimental short that was a huge influence on Scorsese and Nicholas Winding Refn. Wait, Scorpio, is that the fucking gay guy squirting mustard on each other one? Yeah, it is. Yeah, how do you know okay. about that? <laughs> Who told you about that? Pete Timmerman told me about that. All right, favorite lines, baby, let's go! I've just been informed that all of your children are missing. So. That is by far the funniest line of the movie. I used it as my intro. Lawrence by far has the best line of this movie when Jack Black's asking everyone to insult him. And he just goes, you're a fat loser and you have body odor. 
Speaking of that kid, he actually had a moment where he came up to Link later in the middle of filming and went, yeah, man, I don't think I'm right for this part. You should cast someone else, yeah. which is funny because his character does the same fucking thing in the movie. Yeah, on the commentary, Link later is like, and that's how I knew he was right for the role. Uh, my favorite line is fucking the roommate being like, Dewey, I'm not a satanic sex god anymore. Because everything he says <laughs> up to that point is so mild. And also, <laughs> that's Richard Linklater in Death or whatever their old band yeah, is called. Yeah, the, the guy three the of them is Jack Black, I, Mike the, White, and Richard Linklater. Wait, the guy that looks like Doug Walker is fucking Yeah, that's Richard, Richard Linklater, <laughs> not Doug Walker. I'm sorry. <laughs> Miranda Cosgrove had to be taught how to sing poorly. She took like a 50-minute class on singing off-key. I was, I was going to say, because it's like I remember growing up with iCarly and she would just release like albums and I'm like, didn't you sing poorly in School of Rock? What the hell happened? Happened. Did you get lessons? It turns out it was just the reverse. She had to get lessons on how to sing terribly. Yeah, I don't know if you guys noticed this in the movie. I noticed this in my most recent watch through. Whenever Jack Black is himself, his hair is parted to one side. But whenever he's playing Mr. Schneebly, his hair is parted to the other side. That's not a detail I noticed. You, you want to know a detail that I did notice? What? So um, I pointed this out in our group chat. The part where they're trying to get into the battle of the bands. Jack Black's trying to convince Brett from Pulp Fiction to let them in. And he's like, look at them. They're terminal. You see Freddy's laying down on the ground pretending to be dead. And then he's walking back to the car. He's slowly standing up and they're like, we're on the bill. They get excited. And it's like, shut up, you're dying, remember? It's like everyone starts like coughing, going back into the car. Freddy just falls right the fuck back down to the ground. There's <laughs> <laughs> always that one homie who takes it too far. Love you, Freddy. I like how meta the, the ending credits bit gets. Yeah, I was having a lot of fun with it. And then when they started breaking the fourth wall, I had a bit more fun with it than I was already having. It's totally like that's the reward for the people that like stuck around for another like 20 minutes. In the commentary, Richard Linklater says that anybody who leaves before the credits is over is a bozo, but not just general movie credits, just the credits to School of Rock. Like, there's actually a very important bit where the roommate's character arc is completed that's only in the credits. So you're a bozo if you left. I'm the son of God. Oh, my God. This <laughs> recording. <laughs> Does anyone have anything they want to say before I get my few bits of trivia out? Shit, do I? Starbucks, they're everywhere. Okay. <laughs> Tanner's Trivia Corner. Richard Linklater only agreed to direct if the kids could play their own instruments, which is a big reason why they're musicians first instead of actors. Jack Black was the one that came up with all of the kids' nicknames. That was not in the script. That was all him. Ooh. This was back in the era where Led Zeppelin was actually very hesitant to license their music into movies. Uh -huh. In order to get Immigrant Song in this movie, Richard Linklater filmed Jack Black begging in front of a thousand screaming fans, Led Zeppelin, please let us use Immigrant Song. And it worked. But it's funny, it's just that four short years later, it became clear that Led Zeppelin would let anyone use their fucking music when Immigrant Song appeared in Shrek, Shrek 3. Yeah. Or Shrek the Third, sorry. Gotta be proper about it. Literally the only bad Shrek movie. So in the screenplay, I just want to say this because it's a shame this scene isn't in the movie because it'd be so funny. In the original movie, Dewey Finn was actually supposed to have run over the teacher by accident that he winds up replacing. Break her leg. And that's why her leg's broken. <laughs> yep. But they changed it to her falling in the shower. But God, it would have been so goddamn funny if she, she just ran over. 
that would add a interesting new level to the movie. I don't know if it'd be as good as the movie we got, but it would be interesting. So in the scene where Jack Black is desperately trying to get into the auditions for Battle of the Bands, but they're not included, and uh, Jack Black's character gets frustrated and he throws a chair. But according to the Blu-ray commentary, Jack Black improvised throwing the chair. So the reaction that Miranda Cosgrove has is her genuine reaction. <laughs> All right, guys, let's move on to final thoughts. We'll start with the monkey that was the best of <laughs> Austin. We'll start with Austin. This is a really tightly constructed, truly funny film that is fueled by the one-of-a-kind personality that is Jack Black. If you've got a 10-year-old and you want them to be cool, but not too cool, show them this film. They'll have a great time. Before you know it, they'll be in the YouTube comment section for the Give Me Shelter lyric video saying they were born in the wrong generation. Very true. I was born in the wrong generation. I post that on Tayo Cruz's music video for Dynamite every day <laughs> that I was born in the wrong generation. Joe V, final thoughts on school? <laughs> My, my final thoughts are this movie's fucking incredible. It wasn't in South Dakota, but I'm glad I watched this movie for the 50th time in a row. Insert joke about all dogs go to heaven too. I'm going to start a tour called the Joe Vrenick School of Rock Tour, where we all get in a car with a portable DVD player, and we try to see how many times we can watch School of Rock before we throw the fucking DVD player out the window. Back mm -hmm. to you, Tanner. And I'll be starting a counter tour where I try to sneak in the DVD for all dogs go to heaven too. And <laughs> I got him again, boys! <laughs> that dog was the best of us. Uh, School of Rock is... Starbucks, they're everywhere. Uh, School of Rock is... <laughs> It's my favorite Richard Linklater movie. Uh, Jack Black is incredible in it. Joe Cusack is incredible in it. The entire cast is incredible. It's tightly directed. It's tightly written. It's such a perfect encapsulation of 2003 being very hilarious and very inspiring. And by God, I will never stop crying when I hear the final Jack Black line of this movie, which is that monkey was the best of us. <laughs> but do you know who else was the best of us? Oh! Yeah! <laughs> the person watching slash listening to this episode of Bam Squad Movie Night. Starbucks, they're everywhere. <laughs> if you're listening to this episode on any of the audio platforms we're on, thank you all so very much for listening. We really appreciate it. Leave us a review. It'll help boost us in the algorithm or something. If you're watching this on Spotify video, we hope you enjoyed this very special uncensored edition of Bomb Squad Movie Night. We hope you had a blast. Lord knows we had a lot of fun recording this. So how about you mosey on down over to our page? Patreon and throw some money at us or something. I think that'd be kind of cool. If you are watching this on YouTube, thank you oh so very much for watching. We really appreciate it. Go down to the comment section below and let me know. What do you think of School of Rock? What's your favorite Richard Linklater movie? What's your favorite Jack Black movie? What's your favorite line in School of Rock? And um, finally, do you agree that that monkey was the best of us? Oh my God. <laughs> Goal was to get to heaven and take it with me. Uh, next week we are talking about my favorite Batman movie in an episode hosted by Tim M. Sullivan. We are going to be talking about the 1993 movie Batman Mask of the Phantasm. In 4K! It should be a lot of fun. It should be a great episode that will hopefully feature less minutes of me laughing deliriously because Austin referenced a YouTube video with under 10,000 views. 
Thank you again oh so very much for watching. And um, remember, that monkey was the best of us. Good night! Oh, god damn it! <laughs> I was gonna say, for those about to rock, we salute, we salute you. you. I'm the son of God. <laughs>